Welcome to the C3 Silicon Valley Church Podcast. Senior pastors Adam and Kira Smalcom are so excited to share this message with you and believe that God will speak to you through it. Here at C3SV, we know that God has the best in store for you today and every day. So this morning, I've entitled this message, The Fountain of Life. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down, The Fountain of Life. And I want to encourage you to open up your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And, you know, I love this passage because it speaks about our relationship with Jesus. This access that we have to Jesus. It's a fountain flowing relationship, as Pastor Adam touched on last week. It's a wellspring relationship. You know, spring up, oh well, within my soul. You know, it's a continuous flow relationship. It's not a system that we have to draw back to. I don't know about you, but there are a lot of people who think that we come to church on Sunday to be filled up, and then we go out, and we get empty, and then we come back to be filled up again. But that's not the cycle that God wants us on. And you know, sometimes you can get so carried away and you're like, I'm so pumped this week. Church was so awesome. I'm going to go out and I'm going to save the world. But by the time Tuesday comes, life has happened. And who knows life happens. The devil's not always after you. He's not omnipresent. And so sometimes life happens and we realize and we get the revelation, oh my goodness, I need to be filled up some more. And so we come rushing back to the house of God on Sunday to get our top up. And you know, the funny thing about this is I lived this way for many years. Many of my earlier Christian years, I thought it was the church's responsibility. It was my pastor's responsibility to fill me up. And you know, the problem with this is... One day I had a revelation and it all began to make sense that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, right? And so he left his Holy Spirit and someone was telling me that his Holy Spirit resides within me. So I don't need to come back to something that I haven't left. If his Holy Spirit's on the inside of me, then I can be filled up daily. And so... I began to triple my growth in God because instead of 56, or how many days in a year? 52? No, 52 weeks in a year. I had 365 days of growth. Amen. Because that's what God wants to do. And you know, does that mean that I forsake the house of God? No, it doesn't because I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. But the Holy Spirit on the inside of me is the same spirit that Jesus had. And his love for the house is so compelling. He's coming back for the bride. He loves the church. And so I get into church every Sunday, but I don't come with the mentality that the church is going to fill me up any longer. I come with the mentality that I'm going to give because as I refresh others, he refreshes me. Amen. So instead of being tired, dreary Christian, Kira, which I was, trying to do it in my own strength, I encountered the sweet spot of God's Holy, Holy Spirit enabling me and empowering me to live a greater sphere of influence. Amen? So I want to unpackage that for you this morning because, you know, a relationship with Jesus, you know, I used to come to church and I, who's a morning person here? Are there any morning people? Okay. Morning people are annoying to people who are not morning people. 
okay? I am not a morning person, and it used to really bug me when I didn't have my life all together as a new Christian, and I'd come to church, and everyone's so chirpy Christian happy all the time. I was like, how do they do it? Every week, they're so happy all the time. And my conclusion was they're they have it all together, that they pretty much have a perfect life, that their husband is amazing and he never does anything wrong. Now, I, this was pre-marriage. you know, marriage. And, you know, that, that they mustn't have the family situation that I have or they don't have the financial pressures that I have. That was my conclusion. But thank God for men and women in the house, you know, in their 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s because we've got all generations in the house who will reach back and lend us a little bit of wisdom at times. So my youth pastor, she just said to me, Kira, they're not perfect and they don't have everything all sweet and amazing in their world. They've just discovered this sweet spot. It's called a continual relationship with Jesus Christ. It's where we can move from strength to strength. It's where we don't have to empty out. It's where we can be encouraged and enlarged every single day of our lives. And so she was, she just articulated it beautifully for me. It's a real place and you can live from it. It's a place of strength. So praise God for amazing men and women. Amen. So are you with you? You should be in John chapter John, John chapter four. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm gonna read. You know, I go to the gym, but it's just so I can hold this Bible on a Sunday for 32 verses. So here we go. Here's the challenge. But stick with me. So it's Jesus and the Samaritan woman, and he says in chapter four, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field of Jacob uh, that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. That's a beautiful passage that talks about Jesus' humanity. And he even, he got physically tired. Anyway, verse 7, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And as well, and this well is very deep. Well, where would you go for this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. (laughs) He just looks at her and says, go get your husband. I don't have a husband, she replied. Jesus said, you're right, 
You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, said the woman, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you, that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here in Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter where you worship the Father, on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. How are we going? It's probably more scripture than some of you have read all week. (laughs) The woman said... I know the Messiah is coming, but one who is called, the one who is called Christ, he, he, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Then the disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to the woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked. (laughs) Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around you. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work and now you will get to gather the harvest. Amen. Amen. My bicep held up. (laughs) Well, why don't we pray church? Father, I just thank you for this moment that we get in your presence together. I thank you for your church gathered. Father, I pray that your word would go forth to perform everything you have purposed and planned it to, that there is no mistake. No one sits here by a mistake today, but that every heart be open and every spirit be open to receive your word in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I, uh, I was thinking about this conversation that Jesus is having with the Samaritan woman and it got me to thinking about how we can have two conversations at the same time, two completely different conversations at the same time. If you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And being an Australian here in America has got me into trouble a few times And we all know never to walk into a Hello Kitty store and ask for thongs for little girls because I actually did that. But this week I was kind of thinking, you know those awkward moments where you're having a conversation or you're having two conversations at once 
And so the girls, uh, we have drive-through at our school drop-off. And um, so you drive up, the gentleman will, uh, one of the lovely dads is there and he opens the door and the kids jump out and he says, happy Thursday, you know, he says like the day of the week. And I reply, happy Thursday. <laughs> and, <laughs> and anyway, I proceed to tell the girls, I love you before, the last thing is I say to them before they get out of the car. And so this Thursday was just one of those Thursdays that everything just all got mixed up and the timing was out. And um, I don't know, your children start to get to an age where they just don't want to be seen with mum and dad anymore. So it's like Medea just like quick out of the car. So I had looked down and normally she will get out of the car and reach back to get her school bag. But I don't know, she got tricky all of a sudden and got out all at once. And at that very moment that he was shutting the door, I looked up and very um, heartfelt and intentional, said, I love you, as he's shutting the door, the last thing he heard me say. And then I was in the car alone and I'm like, have a great day and just drove off. What was more awkward than that conversation was, you know, Friday, happy Friday, like, what's he going to get today? <laughs> He's a lovely man, though. <clears throat> anyway, just spreading the love. But, um, but it, in, this, in this passage, the beginning of this passage, you've got Jesus and he's at the beginning of his ministry and he's already seeing some opposition from the Pharisees. And so he decides he's not going to confront it just yet. It's too early to confront the Pharisees. So he leaves Judea to go to Galilee, but he can only go, well, the quickest route is to go through this place called Samaria. Now, I don't know if you know, but most people or most Jews would avoid Samaria at all costs, okay? But it was the quickest route, so he took it. And it goes way back into their history. See, at the um, you had like the um, at the northern kingdom, you had the capital of Samaria, and so what happened was it fell to the Assyrians. There was a battle, and so the Jews were deported. Some Jews were deported to Syria, uh, to Assyria, and foreigners were brought in to settle the land. And so what began to happen was the Jews that were there began to intermarry with the foreigners that were there. And so the pure Jews hated this mixed race called the Samaritans. That's why they'd do anything to go around it. There was just intense hate towards them. And so, you know, here is Jesus. And the the other thing that they did was they built their own temple to parallel the temple in Jerusalem. They built, built this temple um, on, the mount, on a mountain called Gerizim. Okay, so what I need you to understand this morning is that there was a long-standing prejudice between Jews and Samaritans. But praise God that Jesus didn't live under those restrictions. Amen. So here is Jesus and he's talking to this Samaritan woman. She knows he's not meant to be talking to her. She's part of the mixed race. She's also living in sin and they're in a public place. And so she's saying, Jesus, you know, why are you talking to me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. 
And I just love that Jesus is making a really big statement to all of us here today that he is willing to break the rules. He breaks down those barriers. He moves through any racial prejudice because the good news is to be shared with every man and every woman. Doesn't matter what nationality you are. Doesn't matter what sin past you have. The gospel is for you and me. Amen? And so... I want to take a look at this divine appointment that takes place with them today and help us draw four keys to remaining in the sweet spot. Is that okay? All right. So point number one or key number one is direct access. Direct access to Jesus. See, the funny thing about their meeting is that like I just said earlier, they were on two different wavelengths, two different conversations are taking place between the Samaritan woman and Jesus. And, um, you know, someone wrote a book once, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. Well, pretty much that's what's taking place right here. She's coming from an earthly perspective. Jesus is coming from a heavenly perspective. They're both talking about water, but they're talking about two different kinds of water. One water is earthly water, the other is spiritual. And so I love that Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman about spiritual water. And and to be quite honest, she never even knew that spiritual water existed, probably because nobody had ever asked her about her, you know, her spiritual needs, her spiritual thirst or her spiritual hunger. And so She's on one wavelength, he's on another, but they, he keeps going because he's God, right? Have you ever been on a different wavelength to God? Anyone? Or is it just me? Okay. And then I just love those aha moments, you know, when you finally get it. But there has been plenty of times where I've tried to solve physical problems with physical things, okay? But what Jesus is trying to say to her and what he's trying to say to us today is that we don't need to solve our physical problems with physical things. We can, there are spiritual solutions to our physical problems. And so he's trying to highlight this. And she says, oh, well, this is awesome. You want to offer me spiritual, or you want to offer me water that will last forever and I'll never thirst again. Give me some of this water because then I'll never have to come back to this well again. And I'll never thirst again. And so I love that this Samaritan woman, just like many of us, saw the message Jesus was bringing as a message of convenience, a bit of life enhancement. It was going to fix my physical needs so I would never have to thirst again. That'll preach because Jesus came to transform us, not just to fix our physical needs. And so... But he does fix our physical needs as well. He just wants to do greater than that today. Amen? And so Jesus responds. He says, no, I'm not talking about the physical. And so he goes to highlight this thing with her husband. He doesn't bring it up to bring condemnation. He wants her to see uh, that it's not about the physical. She's like, "Um, I don't have a husband. He's like, that's right. You've had five husbands and the guy you're with now, you're not even married to. Because you're trying to fix all your physical needs with a physical husband 
or with another physical solution and you're going to continue to try and find and physical things to fix your physical needs until you learn that you're only going to find full fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is wanting her to lift her eyes off her physical needs. And, and the same goes for us today, above limitations, above the natural, above the temporary. He's speaking this over us. And Jesus, you know, the reality is that he's the only one that can satisfy our soul. Young person, he's the only one who will give you purpose, the purpose that you're looking for in life. Young professional, he's the only one who will give you true satisfaction and peace. You can try and climb that corporate ladder and you can work your butt off for accolades. But at the end of the day, when you put your head on your pillow at night, he is the only one that will give you true peace. And there are about a billion situations and circumstances that we have going on in our world, physical needs, real needs, that Jesus says, hey, I've got a spiritual solution for you that will help you, but I've also, I'm able to fix those physical needs as well. Amen? And so Jesus, um, he declares this, if you only knew the gift God has for you, who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. I just love that we get to sit like flies on the wall and look at this encounter that she's having with Jesus. This Samaritan woman just got graced with direct access to the greatest gift humanity has ever known, Jesus Christ. And so she, here she is, and it's, this is like what access to the sweet spot is. Access to the sweet spot is a moment where we are face-to-face in the presence of God and an exchange takes place. She had physical water to exchange for spiritual water. And Jesus, his spiritual water lasts a lifetime. Her weakness, her inability, exchange for his strength that never runs out. Amen? Amen. You know, um, I love that. The scripture also pointed out his humanity in the beginning. Maybe you get physically weary. That's okay. We all get physically weary. Even Jesus did. And you might be spiritually weary. But today I'm believing that Jesus and the Holy Spirit will get on the inside of you. And you will have an encounter with him. That he would you know, breathe new life and refreshing on the inside of you. That you would come alive today. There is the, the reality of heaven that can be realized within us today. So key number two, if you're taking notes, key number two is worship. I'm just going to have a quick, sorry. So awkward. It's like every preacher's nightmare. I have to drink in front of everyone. Okay. So the, the second key is worship, right? So the, the Samaritan woman, she brings us up this popular theological question, issue that was happening at the time. Where is the correct place of worship? Now, I don't know about you, but when someone puts their finger on something in your world, what is your response? Do you react? Do you deflect? Because that's exactly what she was doing. 
She, Jesus had put his finger on the fact that she was, you know, trying to fix her physical life on her own. And so she deflected straight away. And, you know, I have um, this happening in my home at the moment that when I, you know, I'm a bit of a neat freak. So I'm like, whose mess is this? And everyone deflects all three. Not mine, not mine, not mine. And, you know, um, the other thing that they do is they just, you know, you know, just make up an excuse, like something just happened. Oh, look at that over there. And the other day, Zara, I asked her, I said, Zara, it's time to clean your room. She goes, oh, look at the time. I got jobs to do and bills to pay. And (laughs) I don't know if you've ever seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, but I think she got it off of there. But Jesus had struck a nerve with this woman, and he does that deliberately. He does it deliberately. You know, I was kind of watching my girls yesterday. They were learning how to ride their bikes, and I came home, and Adam was prouder than any any of they, them were that they were finally riding their bikes. But he's like, "My job's to teach them. Your job is to clean up the wounds." And I'm like, "Okay, I get that job." And so. Oh, they're so precious. But, you know, they come in with scraped knees and when they are bleeding, my job is to apply pressure to the wound, to stem the flow of the blood, right? And everyone knows that that's not pleasant, but it's necessary. And so I think that's kind of what Jesus does with us sometimes. And so Jesus just goes on with her and he's just gracious graciously directs the conversation to a much more important point, again, taking it from the physical to the spiritual. And so he says the location of worship is not nearly as important as the attitude of the worshiper. So again, Jesus is driving home. It's not about the physical place that you worship. It's not about that earthly place where it takes place. It's about the internal. It's about transformation of the heart. It's about authentic worship, heartfelt, passionate worship. You know, worship is spiritual. And, and you know, it's not in that day, it was all about religion. It was all about going to this place, and this is where we worship. But Jesus was taking it up a notch. It's not about the physical anymore. It's not about what you look like when you come into church and you raise your hands. I want your heart. I want you to be a worshiper in spirit and in truth. And so when we worship God from this place, I find that we are strengthened that passion is ignited, that peace is restored, that faith rises, oppression leaves, and healing flows. And so, you know, there are so many reasons why worship is so vital to us staying in that sweet spot. That's why we value worship. That's why we invest in our our worship team, writing songs, songs that will see people set free and see people healed. Because in that moment, in close proximity to Jesus, he always puts his finger on things. But it's because he loves you too much to leave you the way that he finds you. And just as a good mother, I love my girls too much to leave them bleeding and wounded. I got to get there and I put some pressure sometimes. And in worship, the healing flows. Amen? So we got to get in worship. We find ourselves in a place of strength and a place where we can forgive. The, the, you know, there have been some things that have been done to us that are, you know, would be deemed unforgivable. 
But in the presence of God, he can give you the ability to forgive. In his worship moments, there is wisdom that comes, that flows from heaven, that I would not think of in a million years. But he does that to preserve the life on the inside of us. Okay? And so there is this great exchange that takes place in worship because he wants us to be healthy. Okay, key number three is live aware. Live aware. Live aware of the wellspring within. You see, my prayer is that you would be awakened today to a new realization of the regenerative power of God at work within you. See, Jacob's well was not a spring-fed well. The Samaritan woman was trying to draw from this well that had limitation. It, it relied on rain to come in and dew to seep down and collect at the bottom. But that's not the kind of well that God wants us drawing from. He wants us to draw from a source of life. And so the Samaritan woman, she's trying to draw from this well of limitation. But Jesus talks about a well that has no limitations. He says, drink the water I give and you will never thirst again. And it will be like a fresh bubbling spring rising up within you, giving you eternal life. See, what I want us to get a revelation of this morning is that you don't just have a well within you. You have a well spring. And what we talk about a lot in church is we have this well, well up within me, you know, fill up the well, top up the well. There's all these theories around the well. But what I want to draw your attention to today is that you have the wellspring of life on the inside of you, the very source of abundance, the, the continual supply that takes place, which is the fountain of life. He's alive on the inside of you. Amen. Praise God. Remaining in the sweet spot is an understanding that God's regenerative power is at work within me. It's like I spoke about in the beginning. You don't need to go out and get tired all week. You can do every day. Every day move from strength to strength. Allow the word of God, even if it's one passage, one scripture, to get on the inside of you and transform one little part of your life. And by the end of the year, you're not even going to know who you are. That old person, that grumpy person, you would not even recognize me if you met me all the way back then. Praise God. His mercies are new every day. He is generous. He gives us what we need. He attends to the physical, but there is way more than the physical that he wants to attend to. He is a wellspring of life, and I just pray that that would rise up within you today, that you would know you have a constant assurance, you have an advocate, someone fighting for you every single day. He's by your side. You're never alone. You don't face life alone when you've got Jesus, okay? This enables us to live from a place of power. And you know, the most beautiful thing I could think of is a house full of people who know what is at work on the inside of them. The regenerative power of Jesus Christ, that you're able, you're more than able to heal the sick and raise the dead and to help people with their finances and be the ministry that is the church. And, you know, a lot of people come and they're like, oh, hey, you know, um, I think the church should do this. Well, you are a part of the church, right? 
Why don't you do it? Get up and do it. If God's giving you an inspired idea, then we want to empower you to be ministers across the Silicon Valley because you are more than capable and you are more than conquerors and you carry the the God of heaven on the inside of you. Is anyone excited by that this morning? Good. You know, I love that while she got the revelation, the disciples are still back at the well trying to work it out. And they've been hanging out with Jesus all this time. And so, you know, I I love, they're like, he says, I have a kind of food you know nothing of. And they're standing around going, who fed him while we were gone? We went to get him food. How did he get food? You know, and I, I, we can sit back and we can laugh at them. We can find the humor in it. But I know there's been plenty of times where I've just missed what God wanted me to get. And so maybe you're one of the disciples today and you're just trying to catch up and be reminded of the goodness and the greatness and the power of God on the inside of you. Sometimes it can become like white noise unless you're actively trying to work it out. Okay? So there is no need too great for our God. There is no circumstance out of his depth. He is amazing and we need to live aware of him every day at work in our world. Key number four is participation. Um, And can I grab the band back? Uh, Key number four is participation, doing and finishing. Uh, Some people don't like this very much. But then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits the planter and the harvester? You know, see, Jesus knew nourishment. He knew the nourishment of of what it was to fulfill the purpose of God. And you know, when it comes to this sweet spot, We need to know what it is to live out the call of God on our life. We are nourished by what we, not just by what we take in, but also by what we give out. And so part of remaining in the sweet spot is getting off the bench and into the game. There needs to be an outworking. There needs to be an outworking. There needs to be an activation. There needs to be a doing and a finishing. See, the reality is people harvested here, like, I mean, well, people sowed seeds here way before we arrived to reap this harvest together. And so when we partner together as the church, some sow seeds of encouragement while others reap the harvest of lives transformed and saved. We partake in this together. And Jesus is saying, I want you to get involved. I want you to be part of the work that is taking place on this earth. You know, Jesus was about his father's work. That's what motivated him. That's what set him on fire. That's what encouraged him. That's what keeps us in the sweet spot today, is seeing the fruits of our labor, sticking around long enough to see the fruits of our labor. Uh, You know, I love that the harvesters are paid good wages. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's so tiresome being a Christian. It's like good evangelize everyone. But it says the harvesters are paid good wages. 
And the fruit they harvested people brought to eternal life. You might evangelize to 10 people, but see one, but that one is amazing. So you can rejoice in that and get excited about that. It requires us doing and finishing participation. You know, there is a reason why we place such priority on these altar calls. You think, why do they have altar calls every single Sunday? Because we value people coming to Christ. Because that's why we're here. We're here to, to bring people into a relationship with Him. You know, just like the Samaritan woman got to encounter Jesus at the well, people do that here every single week. And there is no greater moment to our meeting together than that moment right there when lives are added to the kingdom of heaven. There is Jesus' disciples and he says, you know, four months between planting and harvest. You know, we read that and we think nothing of it. But back then it was a common saying. It was a common saying that, you know, it meant we have plenty of time. You know, you sow the seeds and you just sit back and relax because we've got plenty of time. But Jesus was wanting them to know the urgency of doing his work. And the hour is at hand more than ever for the true worshipers to rise up in spirit and in truth. For men and women to walk in strength, to walk in dignity, to know whose they are, to know who they are. Amen? It's, it's the days are long gone where we are bound by religion. And, you know, there are so many things out there that want to keep you insignificant and keep you small. But I say strip them off today. Know who you are in Him. Begin to rise up, man of God. Begin to rise up, woman of God, because He's purposed and destined you for you to change your world. Amen? Why don't you stand with me, church? In closing, I just want to bring it all together with this one scripture in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. It says this, My people have committed a compound sin. They've walked out on me, the fountain of fresh flowing waters, and then dug cisterns, cisterns that leak, cisterns that are no better than sieves. See, the four ways of keeping you in that sweet spot are the very four things if you walk out on, they will take you out of the sweet spot. They walked away from direct access to Jesus. They stopped worshiping God, the one true God for other man-made gods. They cut off the fountain of life, that flow, that living water within them for a pit that collected rainwater and couldn't hold it. Not only that, but the cisterns they chose were broken and empty. You know, in a, in a place of doing and finishing the work of God, they turned their back on Him to follow their own pursuits, to put their trust in their faith in the things that they would cling to were like broken promises. There were unstable cisterns like money, which is here one day and gone tomorrow, like power and position that is seasonal. It was things like religious systems that actually chained God out of moving. It was things like whatever transitory thing that they could put their hand to. Anything they could feel and anything they could touch. They took their faith out of God. And so this morning, 
I want you to get excited with me that the good news is being preached and that there is a well that isn't broken. There is a source of life that still flows today from the throne room of heaven to restore every heart, to restore every broken heart and every wound that we would ever carry. Thank you for listening to today's message. We trust you heard from God and that you're more encouraged, more refreshed, and more in love with Jesus than you were before. If you ever find yourself in the Bay Area, we'd love for you to come and attend a service. For more information about C3SV, please visit www.c3sv.com.